Welcome back, Preview Alliance. This is Sarah. And Whitney. Once again, thanks for taking time and space for us. Yes. Today's topic is why we should talk about mom's mental health, or you may even hear us say maternal mental health. Yes. Which is just a fancy way of saying moms. moms. Yep. So why do you think, Whitney, we should talk about it? I think for a long time, moms have kind of been dismissed. Uh about their feelings. Um, We talked about this in a couple of episodes ago about the hormonal shifts and crashes that we do experience in postpartum. I don't want to dismiss that. That Mm -hmm. is absolutely something that can affect our mental health. But I think oftentimes women have been told, oh, you feel that way because it's your hormones. Right. And they're not given the opportunity to talk about what's actually going on. They're being told, oh, it's hormonal. It'll get better. And sometimes it's not just the hormones. Right. That is a factor. I don't want to sound dismissive of that, but it is a factor. Right. And when we're told that's it and that, oh, it'll fix itself in time, that's not helpful. No, it's So not. many moms get gaslighted, whether it's by friends or family or even people in the medical community. Yes. So yes. I think... Women have been gaslighted for a very long time with that. And I think even still, I think some of this can be prevalent where moms are told, well, you chose to have kids. What did you expect? And, you know, there's there's probably moms with us that maybe this pregnancy wasn't planned or expected. Agreed. Or this pregnancy was prayed over, tried for. Mm-hmm. Um, so all different journeys to Absolutely. this. Absolutely. But it doesn't make your journey or reason to be pregnant or not does not change what your experience can be with your emotions and feelings. Agreed. And it doesn't, I don't, you know, that was one thing with Will, which I had a traumatic birth mm-hmm. and he was in the NICU. I kept hearing the baby's fine. You should be happy. You guys survived. This is good. Oh, and that drives me nuts. The that very, is so gaslighting. The right very there. just feeling of like I couldn't communicate how I was feeling mm-hmm. because this was such a miracle that we survived. Yeah. But even my friends who had perfect births, mm-hmm. um, you know, easy breezy, they yep. felt like they couldn't complain they were tired. They mm-hmm. felt like they couldn't say their true feelings, uh-huh. how hard it actually is. Oh, for sure. So I think that, you know, and I remember an older family member telling me, you know, back in my day, we sucked it up and dealt with it. Oh. So there, I think it's just this whole thing about moms, they think we're complaining, mm-hmm. we're being negative. Ungrateful. You know, and as you not. said, you chose this. When... We should be supportive of moms. We yeah. should have open conversations because I guarantee a lot what we felt is what other women feel. Oh, for n- sure. Normalizing it. And I felt like the traditional healthcare system that we're in right now, mm-hmm. it's so fast paced. Providers have a lot of patients. Mm-hmm. You don't really get an opportunity. Not to really delve into those questions that you have. Right. Or be honest and open. And like in our screening podcast, you may not have been screened like me. Uh-huh. Or if you are screened. You may have fear of uh, answering truthfully and what's going to happen. Or I'm sorry, but sometimes being thrown at 10 questions when your baby, if you have your baby with you at that six weeks appointment, or if you're super pregnant and before you're giving birth and you're already late for work or you're late for an appointment, you yeah. sat there for ever, ever. Um, you're, that's just not the time or place. Yeah. 
So I think it's a huge gap of care that moms fall into is OBs try and, you know, midwives, doulas. I think they're very, in their core, try to be there for moms. Yes. But I just, I don't think it's their wheelhouse. I don't think mom's mental health is what they're specialized in. Not to be mean, but we can only specialize in so many things. Right. And OBs, midwives, doulas, they specialize in the prenatal care. They specialize in labor and delivery. So that's a lot of knowledge that they have to have. Right. And they have to have a lot of knowledge for a lot of people, for a lot of patients. And so they can only, our brains can only handle so much, Mm -hmm. you know, not to mention their own personal lives that they have to throw those details in there, especially again, if they're a mom, because Uh who's the default parent 90% of the time? The mom. Moms. Yep. So let's keep it real. They don't necessarily have the brain space right. to have all of that, not saying that they're uninformed right. or uneducated about it or don't care, but that's not their specialty. It's not. And I've even found once you kind of leave that six weeks postpartum visit, unless you go back for maybe birth control. Mm-hmm. Your or, annuals. Yeah. The whole check-ins of mom's mental health is really not there uh-uh. and i'm sorry during a vaginal exam mm-hmm. that's really not the time or place i want to be open a little awkward little intrusive for all yeah. um but pediatricians are actually supposed to be screening moms mm-hmm. for using edinburgh yep our 10 questionnaire that you guys mm-hmm. get frequently emails but i've talked to a lot of pediatricians and what i hear is they don't have easy ways to refer to therapists I would agree with that because even the pediatrician that I used for my girls, she knew that I had worked in a hospital prior to becoming a therapist. And when I had that conversation of, oh, I'm actually not going to be at the hospital anymore. I'm changing over to a private practice. She was like, oh, I need your information because I, you know, I have moms frequently. I have children frequently and I need to be able to refer them to somebody because at least in the state of Alabama, A lot of your Medicaid providers are booked out for months. A lot of your pediatric mental health providers are booked out for months. And that's unfortunate. And so pediatricians do need those resources at their fingertips. Yes. And I will say this because I do see the pediatrician more often in that first year as opposed to my OB, which I love my OB. He's always been very kind and compassionate and listening to me. I'm actually pretty comfortable if my pediatrician's like, hey, right? are you sleeping? What does baby sleep like? I feel like I can be real and say, oh, it's awful. You know, looking back with Will, our first son, you guys keep hearing me mention, I kept taking him to the pediatrician, especially in the early years or early days. I felt like something was wrong with him. Mm-hmm. There wasn't. Yeah. It was me. Mm-hmm. It was and a super busy practice. Okay. I loved her. Yes. She was great. This is not me saying it's she should have caught. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think sometimes moms bring to the doctor more than not when they're struggling to kind of maybe see this is why I feel anxious. Yeah. Or see this is why I have this fear of not sleeping. Look at what he's doing. Yes. Well, and I think it's a subtle way of communicating that you need help. It was. And now looking back. I was begging for help. Oh, yeah. And so, mamas, that's something, you know, for you to kind of be aware of for your own selves. If you feel like you are taking your baby to the pediatrician frequently and they don't find things, Mm -hmm. 
that might be a little bit of a red flag for you to be like, oh, am I anxious or oh, am I depressed? Right. Or you can look at your friends and family and think, wait a minute, is there something here? Mm -hmm. Now, I will say in this day and age of COVID, especially when we've had COVID babies and all the things, and obviously all your COVID symptoms look like so many other sicknesses, we do tend to have to bring our babies into the pediatrician frequently to yes. get that swab, especially if your baby is in a daycare preschool type setting. I have older siblings who love to yes. bring all those little germs. Yeah. Both my kids are daycare kids, so we bring him all the fun stuff. We have had this year everything. Oh, yeah. Flu. It's June. GI. COVID. Yeah. Half a year. Yeah. I think we've knocked it all out. Yeah. I say that, and then this fall comes. I was about to say, you may want to. Knock on wood. Uh-huh. Yeah, you know, we just got through our round of RSV over here. Every uh, text conversation me and Whitney have now is, um, <laughs> what does your child have X yeah. now? Can yes. we still meet? Is it a super yes. contagious disease? Do we want to risk it? The time and ages we live in. So, mamas, I feel you if you feel like you do have to take your baby to the pediatrician because they spike a fever, mm -hmm. because they're coughing, because they're snotty. Right. Those are valid reasons to take your child to the doctor. we're not saying not to. We're saying... With me, it was... And this is pre-COVID times. Pre-COVID times. And I'm a nurse background, but yeah. you would think I'd be... Which probably should have been more of a red flag to my friends and family, right? Is that I should have maybe had more of a... I felt less... Maybe I should have been comfortable. Maybe I shouldn't. I never did children. So, you know... I feel like medical mamas, though, we have seen kind of the worst of the worst or we hear the worst of the worst. That's very true. So I do think that we have worst case scenario thinking, which leads into intrusive thoughts, which brings us to the pediatrician. My late night Googling was not well for that. Oh, yeah. Dr. Google. No, no. Mamas, no Googles. Yes. No YouTubing. It's not going to help you. Horror, I mean, no those, web MD. Oh my gosh. Those like chat boards where you Google, you know, people are like, my kid has X, Y, and Z. Oh, Have dear. you ever heard of it? Yeah. I went down a rabbit hole on those. Yeah. It's not helpful. No. So. Especially at two or three in the morning. Which is always when we're on our phones uh -huh. trying to stay awake to feed the child. Yeah. Or, you know, again, if they are sick, we're Googling like, how bad is this fever? Uh -huh. What is, when do I go to the ER for this? Right. I'm right there with you, mamas, when, well, both my children, when they have had RSV and they've had high temps that, you know, sometimes Motrin and Tylenol can really break that fever. Yeah. And it's, you know, middle of the night or it's the weekend and I'm like, do I take you to the hospital? Yeah. Is this ER worthy? If I take you to the ER, are they going to look at me like I've got three heads because I brought you to the ER for a 101 temp? Yeah. But if it won't break, that's when I'm like, well, what do we do? So mamas just know if your baby does have symptoms, if you do have valid concerns, seek out your pediatrician. They, but if all, it's, they should have a hotline or a triage nurse or someone agree. that you could call. Oh, yes, absolutely. But if you ever, I always say no shame if you need to take <laughs> them on to ER. I have nope. taken my child in more times than I probably shouldn't. Past postpartum depression, yeah. past postpartum anxiety. Because, hey, pediatric urgent cares, I'm here for them. They're so needed and appreciated. It's kept us out of the ER a couple of times just so my baby could get seen and swabbed, mm -hmm. and we're not spending five hours at the ER. Yes. On the weekend because pediatrician's office is closed. So take that, whatever feelings of what they may say about you or you Throw feel it out about the window. It does not matter. You do what's best for your baby. Yeah. But when we say we want to talk about postpartum depression, we want to talk about postpartum anxiety. We want to talk about postpartum rage. Yes. OCD. The intrusive intrusive thoughts. thoughts. Oh, intrusive thoughts. This is why we want to talk about it because mm -hmm. I don't want you guys to have the experience where I did where I had this thought that popped in my head. I didn't 
feel like I could say it to anyone. Mm-hmm. And that makes you feel worse. Oh, for but sure. if you have heard Whitney or me speak about this and you go, okay, let's name I it. resonate that. Let's name it. Mm-hmm. That's what that is. Yep. Speaking something and recognize what it is mm-hmm. kind of takes the power of fear of it away. It does. Because you know what you're dealing with. And don't feel like you're alone in this. Postpartum depression was one in five pre-COVID. Now we're looking at about one in three is the latest studies. And I think that's all that's being reported. We think it's way more personally. Agree. And maybe two out of three. Uh-huh. And then we have, you can have postpartum depression, anxiety, post losses and miscarriages. Oh, yes. Yes, yes, yes. You can have postpartum PTSD mm-hmm. if you had a traumatic birth, mm-hmm. if you've had a loss. If your labor, something did not go. That was scary. you anticipated. That was very scary to you. Oh, yeah. Those are valid. Oh, yeah. And a traumatic delivery doesn't necessarily mean you have a stat C-section or forceps are used or you have a fourth degree or or babies in NICU. A traumatic delivery is what you describe Mm -hmm. as a traumatic delivery. Yes. So just because Aunt Sue says, oh, well, that wasn't a bad delivery. At least you didn't have a C-section, but you're over there screaming because Mm -hmm. you had forceps in a fourth degree. That's trauma. Yes, it is. That is a trauma, and you are valid in feeling that way. No one gets to tell you how you feel. Bingo. Or why you feel this way. Mm -hmm. You So when we talk about traumatic births, when we talk about intrusive thoughts, when we talk about being sad, being overwhelmed, sensory overload, we're bringing this to the forefront to make you yeah. feel like you're not alone. So this is Absolutely. why we should be talking about it. Postpartum depression is actually the most common complication of childbirth. Absolutely. I always say we screen for our blood pressure, hypertension, preeclampsia. Mm-hmm. We have to lovely pee and get say, tested. We have to check for protein in urine. Exactly. You know, we do that lovely glucose test. Oh. Brings us back. GBS. To those days of chugging that horrible... Tasting. I always went for the fruit punch type. Oh, dear. It's not I did well. orange one time and the Sprite one time. The Sprite wasn't horrible. It's oh. like a flat Sprite. Oh, and, it, you know, you're on an empty belly. That I digress. Yeah. That's a whole thing. But we screen these women for this every yeah. time. But no one's saying, how are you feeling? Health? Yeah. Which we know moms are the backbone of our society. <laughs> yeah. I guarantee everyone. We get stuff done. We're moms. We know moms. We love moms. This is why we are here to talk about it. Because we know a healthy mom is a healthy baby, mm-hmm. is a healthy her. We want you guys to succeed. We yep. want you to feel equipped. We want you to know that this is a safe place. Mm-hmm. We're both moms. We're both very real about how our experiences are. Oh, yeah. We're not here to judge. So this is why we should be talking about it. It's because we want Absolutely. you to feel empowered. And here's the thing. Let's say that you listening right now, you're not experiencing postpartum depression, anxiety, OCD, PTSD, Anything that falls under that maternal mental health umbrella, but you know somebody that does, mm-hmm. you can open that door and have that conversation with them because they might be scared too. So many of my friends, after I became open with my story, because I was not open. Most moms aren't. For a while. Because there's a lot of shame and guilt, and that's kind of thrown on us from society. Yeah. They said, oh, I would have never guessed it. Mm-hmm. But then I start being more open. They're like, okay. I, you know, then it's like this whole conversation. Yep. It's kind of like a me too where it's like yep. you have to, someone has to say it first. It takes the stigma away because you realize it's more common mm-hmm. than is really talked about. And I'll say this. I do feel like infertility. Yes. Miscarriage. 
stillbirth, a neonatal or child loss that happens, I would say, like soon after delivery, as opposed to maybe an older child that dies in an accident of some sort. That Those categories, I feel like, are more common than are talked about, but there's such a stigma and people are so uncomfortable talking about it. Yes. And especially in the South, I can't speak for other parts of the country, but Alabama, born and raised here, we are so scared or mindful mm-hmm. about making other people uncomfortable yep. that we don't talk about it because it's like, well, that's just not good manners or that's not ladylike or mm-hmm. that's not what we do here. And I think sometimes it's they don't know what to say mm-hmm. in response to I, we my husband and I experienced two miscarriages on our journey. Mm. And we had, um, after our first miscarriage, I had to have uterine surgery, I had a septum. Oh. So it was a couple of surgeries to even get to will. Oh, or, and then um, along that journey, mm-hmm. I, like you were saying, people would throw every kind of words back at me of, oh, I'm sure. you know, try again. It's okay. Oh, or just relax. Just relax. Or, you know, it's God's plan. There's a reason for everything. Uh-huh. You know, you're young. Mm-hmm. There's a lot um, that felt very dismissive along the way. Absolutely. So what we're saying is if you make this conversation with friends and family, mm-hmm. you're helping someone. Oh, absolutely. You, Your words and truth is impactful. And that's the whole goal, too, behind previous just for us to share this with mm-hmm. moms for you not to feel alone. And if no one's going to talk about it, no one's going to screen you, if no mm-hmm. one's going to provide these resources, we are. Absolutely. So that's where we stand. We thank you guys for being with us again. Please continue the conversation with your yes. friends and families. And we yeah. look forward to talking to you again. One little bit of advice. If you are talking to someone about your infertility struggles, maternal mental illnesses, your losses, anything like that, and you can tell someone feels uncomfortable about it, it's okay to tell them that you don't expect them to fix it. Oh, yes. Because that's likely what they want to do. I am a fixer. I am guilty. Just saying, I am guilty of that. But just tell them, I don't expect you to fix it. I just need you to listen. And I think even just getting it off your chest. Oh, yes. Which Whitney was providing me this wonderful tidbit, which we'll talk more about, but voice memoing. Oh, yeah. Voice journaling. Huge advocate of voice journaling. If sometimes you feel like you're going anything, if your children are driving you up the wall, uh-huh. if um, you're having high anxiety about something, mm-hmm. if you went through mm-hmm. a hard day, a traumatic event, anything, anything, you've been cut off in traffic 15 times, you're late, um, you're throwing up on the side of the road because you're in the first trimester, oh, just letting that out yeah. and not hearing anybody else's opinions on it. Yeah. So impactful. It is. It's so nice because your phone's not going to talk back to you. You just get to spit it all out and then delete it and get that closure. So we said we're going to provide lots of little tidbits along the way. But most important thing is what Whitney said is that we don't expect other people to fix it. Mm-mm. We're just expressing our story. That's your story. Absolutely. Yes. As again, we love you all. Thank yep. you for being with us. Have a good one. All right. Bye. Bye.